Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My guest today is Joan Sanger, who is someone I've known probably for 40 years mm -hmm. because I know very well your brother, Philip, his wife, B, your mom, who is a spry 104. Yes, she is. But you were always the little sister, and you were off doing amazing things. And so I really don't know that much about you. That's why I'm so excited to have the chance to uh, to talk to Joan, who you, you're described as a social entrepreneur. First of all, what's a social entrepreneur? Someone who probably has not that much business sense. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of work. I do ethics work for governments, and I do, um, I've created a website for people, even if they don't read in English or Spanish, to do all of their career development or business startup online. Uh, I have not been very good at marketing that because I'm easily bored, so I move on to the next thing. So I'm now working with a larger company uh, to see, and I think they'll start marketing it. And then, well, I'm sure there's a need for that. Oh, it, it is huge. Yeah. Um, in Waco, when Virginia Dupuy was the mayor, it was estimated that over 70% of the people that walk into the workforce center aren't functional to be able to read websites. That doesn't mean digitally functional. It means literally the, the the literary level right, of them. Read. Yeah. And also the other thing I did was this uh, social uh, commentary photography show that was just in Waco. It just closed. And it is juxtaposing mannequins with people on gadgets. And that's also a social message. That's funny. You should mention that. Here it is. <laughs> Whose Reality Is It by Joan Sanger. And it is just an amazing book. And you say you kind of did this for fun, right? It is for fun. That's a whole social entrepreneur. I, I dream up ideas of things that I think are socially engaging. Some of them make money. Some of them don't. <laughs> okay. So, for example, we've got a mannequin. Yeah. A dude in uh, his skivvies. And uh, then another mannequin not not dressed up like you would think to sell clothes but that's so the other thing <laughs> it always amazes me how What's people think this? yeah how do people it's think funny. this is going to make me want to buy this thing this cowboy this hat or whatever it is yeah oh and then there's a skeleton even with the mm. i travel a lot and again since i told you i'm easily bored um when my husband's still at the dinner table waiting for the next course of food, wherever we are, I walk around. I used to carry my camera. Now I just carry my phone. Oh, these are amazing. Most of those, yeah. Most Cameras. of those pictures are taken off a of phone. And they were blown up for the show here and one that I had in Canada to probably, I don't know, four feet by six feet. And they still looked okay. They're amazing. I know. The quality. I know. So I I've got to figure out what to do with my camera that I don't use. You probably spent a lot of money on it. Yeah. Um, Another book that you've written, Growing Up Waco. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this. It's a semi-fictionalized stories by Joan <laughs> Sanger. So, yes, <laughs> so it's sort of true. Is that what you're well, telling? Well, protecting the not so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just glancing at at your uh, back cover. To be born and raised in Waco is a ticket for a ringside seat to some rather unusual events. You think? <laughs> yeah. And, and it never reporter, stops. It, it, yeah, exactly. It never stops. No, it, it never, never stops. stops. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, and again, this was, well, one title of a caught my attention, No Sex in the City. Does that have something to do with the religious atmosphere of yes, the town? Yes, a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll have to read it. 
I, I'm really, truly looking forward to this. And this was something you did last year. I mean, is Well, this I did, but it's going to be out on Amazon starting in a week or two from now, which is mm-hmm. early March. It was yeah. supposed to be out earlier. I actually substituted one of these stories recently, and I was juxtaposing, again, I won't mention names, someone in their hundreds, you might guess, yeah, and someone close to 100 who I've met in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm who was the wife of a very famous person from Waco that no one here knows anything about, who established really? the big hospital in Santa Barbara. And oh uh, so I'm juxtaposing the two of them and their riding of the urban, interurban train. The interurban, I was just uh, talking to uh, my producer here, Mike Hamilton. He goes, he wasn't aware what the interurban was. And I so was, amazing. I know, it, it, it really... And, and I know of it, obviously, from I remember growing up and close to Dean Highland Elementary, you could still see the tracks yeah. in part of the, and, and I would ask my mother, she goes, oh, that was from the interurban. And I think one of the cars, I don't know, but I read is actually been restored and it's in downtown Waxahachie. I might have to go do a trip. I want to go Texas see that. And go check that out. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, because what the interurban was really was, it was public transportation, and it was long distance. Really, wasn't just within town. No, no. It went to. It started. In, I think Sherman to Dallas, then Dallas to Waco, Dallas to Waxahachie. I can't remember where else. But but the brilliance of it, in terms of a business model, was that it was really done by the guy who owned the utility lines, the electrical utility lines, and he wanted a way to get that you know, amortized, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. So he ran these trains and they even had fancy cars on them. But the juxtaposition has to do with if you were a black child and you're riding the train, you had to sit in the car with the porters in the, in the kitchen area. And whereas the other person who was white uh, never even realized that. So their experiences were so different yet. Also you look at what they both became and my point of all that is what's really a disadvantage. The person who seemed to be disadvantaged ended up being kind of a rock star in terms of her profession because she was challenged at many levels that mm. most of us aren't. Uh, interesting way to look at that. I wouldn't say most of us, but some of us aren't. Right, right. Um, your photography, though, uh, you, you've got like almost 1,000 pictures at the Texas Collection at Baylor. And this was through a project um, that you had gotten a grant through the Waco Foundation for. Let's talk about that, what what all that was. Well, this is going to really age me. That was in 1977. And I thought I would never get this. I just made up a grant. Did you really? I did. To uh, and it went to the Waco Foundation, uh-huh. Cooper Foundation, Waco Foundation, right. and uh, that was when Jerry Cartwright was in charge. Mm-hmm. And they gave it to me, and um, I didn't do all nine hundred. nine hundred, a little over nine hundred. And Myron Wood, who was a pretty well-known photographer from Colorado Springs, who I took a photography class under mm-hmm. my junior year in college, um, he did it with me. And so he and I would photograph together, say a month out of the year, and then I would go into my uncle's darkroom and print, and then so he would go back to school. Colorado. Oh, black and white, old school. Your hands in chemicals. 
It was fun, though. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. What were you documenting? What did you... Well, my mother says that everyone would think all that was in Waco were cemeteries, churches, and old black people. So those seem to be my themes that I enjoy. Yeah. Like, and and old people in general. Yeah. So I photographed a lot of uh, just people on the streets, people I met, um, old houses, Mm. but... Things that, interestingly now, I hate to say, a lot of them are gone. I'm quite surprised, so I'm really glad that I did that. And I wish we did that in every city every year because things get torn down. They do. They do. Um, Thankfully, you know, we have had a strong historic Waco Foundation that has managed to save. But those are the major houses. A lot of the ones that... These are like just the ordinary... Well, bungalows that people. Some of them, in. not so ordinary. Some of them are quite beautiful, uh-huh. and they're gone. Yeah. And some of the old honky tonks, and you know these down homey places that were run by families. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it is that part of a of a book, or is it just? No, it's at you, the Texas collection. So you say you go to the Texas collection. If I were wanting to go see some of these, mm-hmm. um, I, do I? ask for the Sanger collection or what how is what is that no because that's something different actually it you just ask for the Myron Wood and Joan Sanger photography collection hmm. the Sanger collections is archive but uh I believe I don't know if they still do they actually reprinted them and had a big show around the Texas collection I don't know if that's still there hmm. but the show was originally at the art gallery uh the art center in Waco and that was just some of the photos and then the the collection itself, which are eight by ten photos, are archived there. Mm-hmm. Now, and you recently had something at Cultivate Seven Twelve, right? Yeah, Some I did. Sort of, tell me about that. Well, that was the silly one that had to do with the book. <laughs> well, okay. um, that's it's just your, ju- that's your mannequins. Yeah, it's more than mannequins though, because I have so many photographs now. It's no longer something unusual. Mm-hmm. So many photographs of people on gadgets in inappropriate situations. You that, mean like these? Yeah. Exactly those. And uh, some of them are really funny. And so I have like (laughs) 75 or 80 rolling pictures of those. Those are just on a video. Um, The mannequins are all large prints, but then interspersed in there are the people on gadgets. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is who's really having more fun? (laughs) (laughs) Well, really. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you've just always got your eyes open. You're, You're just aware and curious, like a journalist, in a way. I mean, for yeah, what but you're without documenting. The, without the self-discipline, yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there was any self-discipline involved. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I, uh, I do want to talk to you more about some of your experiences in the past, and uh, we will do that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Joan Sanger about some of the famous folks she's worked with, so you stay with us. Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, Foes, and Heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of, and some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. 
I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything. And, and basically, I guess we kind of go over their origin story and just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best. And we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at Bros Bros Heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> bros and bros and heroes gonna tell you about bros and bros and heroes gonna tell you about. Hi, this is Sarah, and I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, Grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine, wine and vino. <laughs> so check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. Hey y'all, I'm April. Hi, I'm Caroline. And we have a new podcast for you. What's it called, Caroline? Uh, Bloody Happy Hour. It's going to be your new favorite guilty pleasure. We're going to talk about some bloody stuff. Serial killers. True crime. Rape. <laughs> Rapist. Why not join us? We'll have a good time. You literally never know. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> bloody Happy Hour. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm back with Joan Sanger, who is a social entrepreneur, but she says she's just bored easily, so yeah. that's why. <laughs> she's busy. You are here in Waco, though. Uh, your mom is um, a spry 104. Yes. Just incredible. Yes. But um, had some has some health issues from time to time, and you come in to... N- not much. But yeah, I mean, she's incredible. <laughs> she's incredible. She's, she's never the- been on medication, and she just had COVID, and she... That's why I came in, and that was about a month ago. She's fine. She's been fine for a couple <laughs> of weeks. Just got over it. Now she's got all the immunities from COVID, so... Yeah, she said she thought she was going to die, and then I came in, and then she didn't. Nope. So I told her it's something she's really bad at. She's good at most things. What was it you said? You don't say when when you die, but if yeah, <laughs> I say if you die, if you die. Well, she's got some pretty remarkable genes. I mean, her brother lived to a hundred. I mean, you've got some, you got some pretty good genes in there. It's also center. in that neighborhood. It's weird. There's okay, just whole about this. so it, kind of in a, a, a part of North, Waco, North yeah, North off Waco. of uh, MacArthur. So yeah. her neighbor lived to be a hundred and six. 
Her neighbor behind her lived to be 100. She just passed away. The man across from them who was jumping on from his, his walker to his riding lawnmower and riding all over everyone's lawns just to be sweet and mow them. Just mow everybody. Except it was also their um, sprinkler systems. <laughs> that was a bit of an issue. Oh, well. <laughs> and uh, he was, he's 97. My uncle was 100. And he lived next door. Right. She took care of him. Yeah. yeah not next door, but a few doors down. And then, I'm sorry, the man behind her also died a couple of years ago. He was 99. So. Wow. I don't know what's going on. You know what? A friend of mine had a really interesting theory about that. Mm -hmm. Now I forgot exactly what it was. But that there was something that was happening at, at Fort MacArthur that she thinks maybe got into the soil there. I can't remember what she said it was. But that was really good for you. Apparently. As opposed, opposed to bad. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember what she said. That's true, but that is where. That's right where it was. Where it was, that part of, uh, of Waco. Well, she's uh, she's darling, and I know she's always happy to see you, but, but Joan, you do kind of live a jet-setter lifestyle. I mean, you, you live in on it really in Ontario. Extremely right? non-glamorous jet-setter lifestyle. Thank you. <laughs> but you're traveling a lot. So, I but do you travel. live in Canada and also in California. Is that right? Mm, yeah. So I, explain to me about well, that. I spent 27 winters in Canada and vowed that was never going to happen again. <laughs> that, was, that was enough. It was a wonderful place to raise kids, for sure. I have two boys. Uh -huh. But then we had gone to Santa Barbara on our vacations. That's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, okay. So we found this little tiny adorable place. It's 100 years old, but it has an avocado tree, my mm -hmm. most important reason for buying it. And it overlooks the ocean and the town. It's but it's real. It's the smallest house there. I mean, where it is by far. It looks like someone's shed, but it's so cute. So it's not glamorous, but it's yeah. very sweet. Yeah, yeah. And so your husband, where is he? He's currently in Santa Barbara. He's in Santa Barbara. Okay. He doesn't really come to Waco quite as often as I do. Yeah, He's I'm not really as en enamored with it as I am. I imagine that's true. So so let's get back to um, the early days. I mean, you you went to uh, college at Wellswing. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think you have a comment on here about that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I um, lots of uh, stories I semi-fictionalized here occurred before I was forlornly sent away to become cultured at Wellesley. Didn't help. It didn't take. Well, that sounds pretty fancy, you know, Wellesley. But you got your degree, Wellesley. And uh, you say didn't take, and um, <laughs> then got your law degree from UT. So that from that point on, you, you began doing some political work. So let's talk you. There were some very famous folks <laughs> that you were in contact with. This was back in 1987 uh, with... Um, Chet and, Edwards. Ann Richards, who... Well, it was actually Chet Edwards first. Oh, is... First was with Chet Edwards? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when did you start working for Ann Richards? After I was working for Chet. I worked for Chet for two sessions, mm -hmm. and we did such major reform. He, he was just amazing. He would always ask me, this is the most amazing man ever. He would say to me, okay, who are we going to make mad? And I would name them. And it was usually <laughs> the utility companies, yeah. the insurance companies, the prison system, the doctors, whatever. Yeah. The big groups of lobby, lob, big heavy hitter lobby groups. Sure. And then he'd look at me and go, is it the right thing to do? I'd say, yes. And he'd go, then we have to do it. And we literally won everything. Mm. And it, that had to do with a lot of 
reforms, I guess. Yeah, but it was kind of guerrilla marketing on my part mm -hmm. uh, with staff and, and, and senators. And Chet was very happy for me to do that. He was wonderful about yeah. that. It was yeah. so much fun. It really yeah. was fun. Of course, he was, you know, he, he served uh, this district for a long time. Right. He was state senator then, mm -hmm. and then he was in Congress. The other thing we did was the entire high-tech package of Texas. Right. And that's kind of interesting because I've now started admitting how that happened. Okay. So. Because that's that's kind of really an ironic thing. Okay. You ready to uh, talk about it? Yeah. I was a bit of a, it was a Robin Hood kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it hadn't passed for two sessions. So I asked Chet, do I have permission to get it? pass any way that I can. He goes, mm -hmm. I guess. So what I did, I couldn't even use the computer very well. I was really a complete loser on that. So I cut and pasted a one-sentence bill, the other bills all onto that, and wrote a proclamation by hand to the lieutenant governor why they all had to pass, each one of them, 11 of them, because this other bill passed. And we only had passed one. So he just signed off on all of them. Now, sometimes these things come back to haunt you. Oh, really? Because look at what happened to Austin. I'm not sure that's a good thing, ultimately. But yeah. uh, I'm saying the irony of it is the high-tech package got passed in the least high-tech way. With tape, <laughs> I was gonna say, scissors, tape, and my handwriting. Right. A little, little, little white out if you needed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, people don't realize there's thousands of bills that get passed yeah. at the last day of the session. Yes. No. I, that aren't I, voted on. Yeah, I know that is true. And I didn't think any of these were harmful in any way, so mm -hmm. I was very careful about that. But I think ultimately you don't, and part of my ethics seminars I teach now, <laughs> you don't understand the ultimate consequences necessarily of what you're doing. Right. And I didn't think of, you know, 30 years hence that well, it would make Austin unmanageable. Well, and, you, you know, I mean, you have to kind of have a crystal ball in a way, you know, to be able to predict yeah. some of these things. But yeah. So, um, Chet Edwards, of course, you know, had a, an amazing, wonderful career. And uh, Ann Richards, tell me about Ann Wycoen. Uh, so, Ann, I, I her Really, Lacey Lakeview, I guess, is really. Right. Well, and actually, actually, Abbott, really. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, some cute stories about her and her dad and stuff. But anyway, um, I proposed the job to Chet, and I proposed the job to Ann, there were no job openings. I just went in and said, let me show you what I can do for a couple of weeks free, and if you like what I do, Hire. then I'll work for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I tried to earmark the two people that I thought were sensible and um, ethical and get, got stuff done. Mm -hmm. So I went to her and told her what all I could do. So she let me. The first week I was there, she wanted me to do or, or I did do an ethics seminar, sat in on them with with the other staff, members at the state treasury. Good. And not to mention any names, the person who was doing it had been indicted for bribery. Probably and a lesson they needed. <laughs> that was my feeling. <laughs> but she thought the guy, oh because he got uh, acquitted, that he was innocent. And yeah. I went into her and I said right after that, because I was doing issue work for her on tort issues, criminal justice issues, utility issues, I can't even remember, a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. human services. So I went into her and said, Ann, you know, I know you don't know me very well, but that was a really confusing seminar to have someone who was indicted teach it. And I don't believe that what he said was exactly accurate. I think it confused people. And I think you need to have an ethics program. Right. And so she said, 
all right, you do it. <laughs> she used to right. say. So I, I did. Hear her saying that. Yeah, yeah. And so I did, and she loved it. And um, I later parlayed that many, many years later into doing ethics work on my own mm -hmm. for government, including a comedy ethics program, yeah. which was really fun. How do you do that? <laughs> you get crazy people, and that's not hard in Austin. <laughs> and so I got the Esther's Follies actors. Uh-huh. And Bob Eckhart, who you might remember, he was in Congress, and his first cousin, Helen Hanley, who had both been editors of what later became the Daily Texan. Uh -huh. uh, they were first cousins, like, one, one year apart. So both completely creative people. So Bob did the cartooning and the drawing. Uh, Helen did the script, and the songs were um, designed by Standish Meacham, who was a songwriter and played the piano. So these are all all of my all of my creative people were over the age of eighty, <laughs> and they were all old time Texans. So mm -hmm. so um, Helen Hanley and Bob are both descendants of the Claybergs of the King Ranch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're old time serious. Yeah, long time serious Texans. Yeah. And they had, I mean, it was hard to control sometimes. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> and there's some really funny stories about that. And then Esther's Follies acted out. I was the straight man ethics teacher, and then mm -hmm. the Eth Esther's Follies were stereotypes of government workers. Yeah. And they did a lot of ad libbing. It was fun. Yeah. Lessons learned, though. Yeah. Yeah. So is this kind of thing still going on today? Are they still the, doing the ethics training? Uh, it doesn't seem like doesn't it's seem like very it's... effective, um, but uh, <laughs> might need to go and kind of retool their curriculum. Right I don't even know what they're doing. Generally, ethics training is about compliance, yeah, and that never sticks. Yeah. Uh, it means nothing. I mean, ethics is the gray areas, and it's it's what you're internalizing and right. inculcating <laughs> as your being and how you act mm -hmm. and so it's hard to do that when you're talking about complying with the law that's not very exciting and it's not engaging so I, what i try to do is engage people mm -hmm. um, i'll do another one at a big uh, in a big city in canada in about a month oh, okay. but i haven't done them for a while I, they just called to ask me and and i've done some in africa and the middle east so you had that, traveled all over yeah that didn't take very well either i don't think but well. whatever yeah, but it's it's uh, important information. It's at least something people need to think about, you know? Yeah, yeah. What is the right thing to do? And uh, Anne used to say, "Would if my mama could read it on the front page and be proud of me, then it was okay. That's very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would tell kids when I would speak to school groups, you know, with relation to these things. Yes. I said... If you wouldn't mind it broadcast from a television news desk, it's probably, you know, okay. But wow. just realize what you're writing. It's just about the same thing that everybody, and it's out there forever. I mean, it doesn't just. Well, we, I had a, a Professor Roberts from Baylor came and spoke um, at my photography show. Mm -hmm. And he's an expert on the impact of social media and d gadgets on people. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that struck me that he said is that it's now one of the number one problems in relationships. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I mean, we're seeing with young people that they're not really dating anymore. They don't know how to even have talk those casual relationships that we took for granted when, you know, go on a Coke date with somebody and see if you like them or whatever. They don't even know how to 
communicate. Yeah. It's pretty scary. It's very scary. And it's scary in terms of their accountability to the world around them. And that includes the environment. If you didn't experience nature and we're in a climate crisis and we have to learn to live differently, how are you going to do that if you don't know what it is you're protecting? Those kinds of things and and, and social response stuff. Yeah, oh, and oh, well, really basic stuff. Yeah. I'm talking big picture stuff, but yes. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. Um, gosh, so much stuff to talk to you about. I mean, it, it's just been a fascinating um, career you've had. And uh, I, I guess, is there any one thing that kind of sticks out that, you know, that you're especially proud of kind of throughout? I mean, I know you also, when, when mm-hmm. Ann Richards ran for governor, you wrote all but, I think, three of her issue statements, papers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which that's pretty remarkable because you you were a young pup yourself. I'm I wasn't sure. that young. I was younger than most of the people that were working on her campaign, say, for I sure. I bet you, Nickel, you were the youngest one there. Well, <laughs> the issue at that point was Anne was nervous and a little hard on staff people, and they were scared to write them. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. So you did. And uh, it, it was a learning experience for me because mm-hmm. a lot of things I didn't know that much about. Um, she was literally a master debater, right? She won the national oh, yes. debate finals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she could talk about anything, even if she didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah, she was good at that. Yeah. Unbelievable. And usually she did know. She had a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. So if you, I re- briefed her a lot on issues over years. And she would say to me sometimes, that's not what you said a year ago. And then she would remember what I said. And I was like, did I say that? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. she was amazing she in that really way. She was amazing. But Leader. something that stands out to answer your question, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> um, probably the ethics work and, and still doing it uh, and feeling like mm-hmm. I really would like to do it more in other countries. I felt like that was my calling. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also taught at a university. I didn't mention that. I taught for five years at the University of Waterloo, but it was a very similar reason. I think I impacted those students. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let me design the class. They gave me a curriculum that was just the most boring thing in the world. And I said, I'm not going to teach that. If you let me design it, I will. And the kids loved it. And yeah. um, so that was also fun. I'd say that kind of thing where you feel like you've made an impact on an individual and encourage them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you certainly have done that. Well, we could just keep going on but I um, need to bring this to a conclusion um, and I like to end these with a little questionnaire it's similar to the one that the late great James Lipton would use inside the actor studio so it's kind of my take on uh, his question and the first one is what is your favorite word favorite word <laughs> God, I don't know um, I don't know I like names often I like beautiful names like Francesca and oh, just kind of beautiful Italian-sounding words that I've always loved Italian. Mm-hmm. I listen to Italian in my car and try to learn it, but it's so far. Other than waving my hands around, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got the, got the driving part, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'd say anything that sounds Italian. That's neat. That's very good. Well, what is your least favorite word? It would usually be a four-letter curse word. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, what turns you on creatively? spiritually or emotionally like i just mentioned having an impact especially on young people and spending time with them to find out what their priorities are yeah that's part of a huge part of my website 
like I serve different populations. I have 14 different programs on there for seniors and ex-incarcerated people and youth and a lot of people, and in English and Spanish and simple language. So to know that a person really, their life was changed by it, mm-hmm. and a good example in El Paso, there was a woman who had just crossed the border, had never seen a computer, oh. and she was in tears because she could use it because it was reading to her and she could find a viable career path ultimately Mm -hmm. to me that's the best that's that's amazing what turns you off then creatively or spiritually or emotionally greed um Mm -hmm. critical behavior i've I've heard Um, that before from from guests for sure yeah. yeah um negativity yeah what what sound do you love the most besides the, Italian? The harp. Things? Oh, the harp, really? Oh, good. That, yeah. We had a harpist play at my photography show. It was good. beautiful. Uh, it is. It's just, it's so delicate, um, but sort of just heavenly, so, ephemeral, yeah. Um, yeah, it's ephemeral. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, what sound do you hate? Hmm. Probably just really, really loud whistles. Like, like, <laughs> like I like the sound of the train in Waco from my mother's house, which is seven, eight miles away. It's a long way but off. To, for it to be right here where you are, that's right. That yeah, was just, it's startling it to me. <laughs> well, but we're glad they alert someone at a. At our, or, or the sound of someone house. being injured, or oh yeah, or a dog being injured. Oh yeah, what. Other, you've done a lot of things in your life, but what other profession would you have liked to try or have done? Uh, I don't think anything. I think I would have been, you know, I went to school to be a lawyer, hence the ethics programs and such. I probably would have enjoyed uh, teaching young kids. I love young kids, but I didn't really know that until Mm -hmm. I had them. Yeah. Yeah. Your boys are grown, I take it. Yeah. Any grands? No. No, One of them just got finished traveling on a motorcycle through South America. He just came back last night. <laughs> well, for, at least sep- he's back. That's good. Right. Oh, that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forbade him from riding through Mexico and Central America right oh, now. Gosh. But anyway, so they flew them from Miami to mm-hmm. Bogota. Anyway, they got down to the tip of South America what last an week. Accomplishment. So they just came. They're on. They're, he's on his way back to actually work. Uh-huh. And then the other one moved to Hawaii and started a business there. So I kind of taught them maybe to have too much fun. I was going to say, they, those nuts didn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, I but I, I said, do what you're interested in and have fun. But maybe I took that a little too they're, far. They're having a lot of fun. They're and, having a lot of, well, well, what job do you know you would not want to do? Well, I tried it, so I think I know. Veter- okay. Veterinarian. Oh, really? I thought I would, uh-huh. but I can't stand to see an animal hurt. Like, yeah. I passed out when my dog was getting her toenails clipped, so I'm really <laughs> I'm really not for that job. <laughs> I was going to say. I empathize. Sometimes it gets a little too close and it bleeds. Oh. I know. That's what happened. I know. That's what There was a drop I mean, of blood, I mean, and I, like, right. hit the floor. <laughs> well, finally, what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? It was a good run, baby. <laughs> And it's not over yet. <laughs> no, it's not. I hope. Yeah, I tell you what, Joan, it's just been a delight to have you here and to learn more about your incredible life, you know, what all you have done and the people you've touched. Thanks. And, I mean, there's a lot of downtime, too. Well, there's yeah, a lot of, of course, with anybody. But, yeah. but, yeah, you've just really accomplished so much. And so folks can um, 
growing up Waco, they get, will be able to get this on Amazon, mm-hmm. right? And and is your whose reality it is it? This is available as well. Or? I didn't put that on Amazon. That okay. was really just for the show here. They asked me. The gallery fun. asked me to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that back cover. cover. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> the lady looking at the mannequin who has escaped from the store. thinks of these things <laughs> and who does you, who does think of these things right, and then you photograph it so that's what's great well let me tell you a quick one so uh-huh. one of my favorite selfies you know I have these pictures of these people all taking pictures of themselves and talking on their phones well, with my them. favorite one is a Saudi woman completely covered all you can see her eyes and she's taking a selfie of herself on the Bosphorus and I'm thinking how would anyone know who that is because <laughs> it's you can't see her and I thought that was kind of at least entertaining. Yeah, that's kind of poignant in a way. Too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of funny things of people yeah. taking pictures of themselves in really <laughs> weird situations. I guess that's true. She knows who she is. She knows who she is. <laughs> I guess that's And I'm point. sure she has a wonderful life, but whatever, oh. it was funny. Wow. Well, Joan, thank you again. It's just been a delight. And thank you fun. for joining us on Central Texas Life. We'll see you again next time. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.